Welcome to Exploring Possibilities. I'm your host, Cheryl Sitz. Since 2012, Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance and I have been airing inspiring, insightful conversations with all kinds of change agents who are raising the vibration on our planet. It's the intention of our show to explore possibilities and shift perspectives in holistic, spiritual ways. You'll hear how various industry experts discover and share their deepest passions to make a bigger difference in the world. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And do me a favor, please come back and rate the show so that new people can find us. We'll introduce our next guest in just a moment. Have you ever gone to a social media seminar and you have the online experts telling you, get a blog, get a website, get on social media, all this other stuff. By the time you're done with that seminar, that online expert is very good at frying your brain. The funny part is, you come back home, you get in front of the computer, and you're lost. Hi, I am Mario with Tech Life Balance. I see this all the time. You spend so much money and still don't know what is going on with your online presence. And you know, you probably don't need all of that. Let me go ahead and translate geek to english for you and show you what you really need, because you don't need it all. You probably only need a few components. You have a great message out there and I would like to hear it, and I definitely want to help you put it out there. I am Mario Rosales with TechLifeBalance.net. I produce this podcast because I love distributing messages. Let me help you distribute your message. Hi, it's your host, Cheryl Sitz. And when I'm not doing this podcast, I enjoy offering live or remote coaching sessions to help my clients explore their possibilities. Maybe you have a physical pain and you've never really gotten to the emotional root cause. Wouldn't it be nice to be free of that? We can do that together. We can also explore what it is you really want or what's really holding you back and get rid of that too. There's lots we can do together. Contact me, CherylSits.com. Now on with the show. We are putting the very finishing touches on our digital magazine. Again, that comes out the next issue, April 1st. And we'll be talking about El Camino. If you've ever thought about walking the Camino or you have walked the Camino, there's some great stuff about that in there and lots of good articles. So watch for that April 1st. You can pick it up at journeyofpossibilities.com and subscribe there. Also, while you're on our website, click our events tab. We have put together a lot of events, women's circles, drumming circles, conscious living workshops, so much stuff going on. So stop by our website and say hi. Today's guest and I actually connected through a mutual friend. He's so talented, a Peruvian visionary artist named Mauro Perez. And she and Mauro are actually planning an event in Peru this July. Spiridula Politis is herself a fine arts educator, yoga teacher, holistic living coach, and energy healer. She's been teaching in public schools for 15 years and, and this is her words, traipsing about the multiverse for as long as she can remember. I can't wait for this interview. Making music and art along the way. She feels most at home when serving and sharing with others and inspiring. Her website is spiridula.com where you can learn more about her paintings, drawings, mixed media, and other work. Your name is as interesting as your life. Welcome, Spiridula. Thank you. May I ask where that name originates from? It's a Greek name, and it is a family name, and usually people name their children after the grandparents to honor them. And I have a grandfather named Spiro, and Spiridula is the feminine version of that. I bet you get asked this a lot, don't you, about your name? I do, but most people usually ask me if my parents were hippies. That's kind of funny. (laughs) Well, were they? (laughs) 
No, absolutely not. They are immigrants from Greece, so they didn't even know what hippies were until they came to the United States. <laughs> and then thought, what have we done, right? They looked around and went, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, they technically they were here before the hippies, a start, the hippie um, era began. So they watched it. Ah, are th- and are they still with you? Are they still alive? Yep, they live out in uh, Nevada right now. They live in Las Vegas. They mm. are retired and they are enjoying the warm weather. So how did they come to this to move to the United States? Well, my dad moved here first. <laughs> I hate to use this word, but he didn't have a choice. So he was kind of forced ah. to move here because uh, his mother, his mother had been born here. And then the family moved back to Greece when she was an infant. And then when she married and had children, they just thought they were pretty poor. And they thought it would be a good idea to come here and work and have the opportunity to make money, you know, the whole American dream. Right. And so my dad being 19 was old enough to be working and helping to make that dream happen. So his job was to come here and get a job and bring everyone else over. Wow. So have you been to Greece? Many times. Yes, I still have a lot of family there. And how do they feel about you and your life in in America? Well, we had our ups and downs, especially <laughs> when I was playing in bands and stuff. They didn't like that so much. You know, I was very into rock and roll and all of that, and they were not thrilled. But then, um, you know, I did when I went back to school and I became a teacher, that was a whole different story because in my culture, if you're not a doctor, you should be a teacher or an uh. engineer or a lawyer. So I made good. Yes, <laughs> yes, you did. But you still you still kind of do express your own hippie side, don't you, with all of the artwork that you do and some of the things that you dabble in on the side? Yeah, I suppose. I, I don't know if I would categorize it that way. Um, you know, I know the hippie generation is much older than I am. They would definitely be my parents at this right. point. But <laughs> You know, I think I, I do connect with that spirit. You know, I never really considered myself what people call a free spirit. But as I get older, I see that that I am. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of nice. I think it's kind of neat, you know. But uh, I'm kind of in between, you know. I, I do like to stay grounded. I'm definitely not too airy-fairy. I, I like to be practical as well. So, you know, for me, that other world, the whole spiritual realm is actually a is to me is not an out there kind of place. It's just kind of always been a part of me. So um, even, you know, as I live my the practical parts of my life, that's just part of my everyday. It's just part of my existence. I hope that that's where we're all going. I think that's kind of the point. I don't think we came here to choose between a spiritual life or a grounded life. I think we came here to learn how to blend and embody all of it. And for some of Mm -hmm. us, that can be more challenging at times, I guess, than others. But I think that's great that you found such a grounded way to be able to express all of that. Your your connection with Mauro and and the event that you guys are putting together is pretty uh, intense event. Tell me how you two met. Uh, we met in 2011, and I went to the DAS Healing Center. That's um, Percy's place. Percy um, Percy Garcia Lozano is the um, shaman who runs his own healing center. And I went there in 2011 in the summertime to participate in these ayahuasca ceremonies. And I received my own calling, which is a different story. Uh, well, connected, but um, I received my own calling to go there. And the first day that I arrived, we didn't realize 
how close we, we came to the beginning of the ceremony. So basically, as soon as we arrived, Percy said, okay, uh, go get changed into your bathing suits and meet us, you know, in the bathing area in about, you know, 20 minutes or so. <laughs> so we didn't have time to see who else was there or anything like that. And I say we because I did have a friend of a friend meet me in Peru and we did arrive together. So when we were in that area, Mauro was saying hi and being social and introducing himself to people. And he introduced himself to me. And when he told me I was in, he was an artist, I said, oh, that's great. I am as well. So he got excited and he said, okay, great. Um, tomorrow I will, you know, come by and I'll show you, I have some paintings. I'll show you my work. And so that's how we met. So we had our first, I had my first ceremony that evening. Mauro had experienced it many times before but the next day um, we met up outside and he showed me his work and that was the beginning of our friendship. I met him the exact same way in a different center. What part of Peru is the center that you're discussing in? It's right outside of Iquitos. Okay yeah I think it's so great that he goes to these centers where he is friends with these shaman and we're able to first meet him and experience his artwork in that environment because it's powerful mm -hmm. artwork and there's as much yeah. of the plant medicine as in his artwork as there is in the ceremonies that we participate in and when you add the two together it's really potent so didn't he then come to the states recently um at your invitation he did um not that recently it was actually so he let's see that was 2011 i did say to him you know, I, like you, I fell in love with his artwork, and I saw how powerful it was. I was familiar with Pablo Amaringo's work beforehand, um, and Pablo Amaringo was his teacher and was also a shaman. So for me, it was extra cool to meet someone who had studied with Pablo Amaringo. So I said to him, not because of this, but just I loved his work so much, and I said, well, you need to, you got to come to the States, you know, and, and maybe we can exhibit someday. And, you know, at the time, I said it just as like a, hey, wouldn't it be cool kind of way. But then we made it happen, you know, and we decided to do it. So it was the following year. So it was 2012. So fairly recently. And it wasn't that easy because he hadn't left Peru yet. We had to come up with some, you know, we used formal stationery. I, my studio was in a, a nonprofit art center. We had a gallery and art studios. And so the director helped me create some official paperwork to send him an official invitation because they wanted to see something official. They wanted to, the government, they wanted to see that he had a reason to leave Peru that had to do with something that he was going to contribute in some way. Wow. And so it was perfect for him as an artist to use that reason, you know, I'm coming, I'm bringing my art, I'm sharing my art and my culture. And so they were thrilled. And not only did they give him the, the go ahead, I believe his local government official of the art, I cannot remember the appropriate title. So forgive me there, but they, they gave him some money as well to help him buy his plane ticket and everything. So I thought that was just so cool and really amazing. And he came out here, he stayed with me for a month, which was kind of hard because I was working also, <laughs> but he stayed here for a month and tried to, you know, keep himself busy. And we had the exhibit and we had open gallery hours on Saturdays. We also had the opening night and in the, in the free time that we had, you know, I showed him around Boston and Cambridge and tried to share with him, um, you know, things that he 
had never seen. So it was really neat. It was really fun. I think it's beautiful that his government was so supportive. I did not realize that all of that was involved for him to be able to come up here because we too want to have him to Texas. And I didn't realize, but I guess if he's never left, there are more questions than normal or. Yeah, it depends on the country. There are some countries. I mean, I've traveled to Indonesia a couple of times. I've made friends there and they say the same thing. It's not easy to travel outside of the country. And I think part of the reasoning is they, there's this, um, I don't want to use the word fear, or I should say concern, that the people that are going to the United States to visit might choose to stay. And so I guess that's why they have to be, you know, sort of um, vigilant about why they're going, when they're coming back, that kind of thing. I was really surprised to hear that, actually, at the time. That was the first time that I'd ever heard that. So I was surprised. But um, it worked out. And since then, and this is kind of neat. Now, I didn't realize this had been his lifelong dream. I didn't realize any of this. I was just thinking, oh, this is so great. I'm bringing my friend to the United States and we're going to exhibit. And it wasn't until after that he said to me, you know, this has been my dream. Like, you just helped me make my dream come true. And I thought, okay, this is kind of a big thing for me as well, because I've never done that. That (laughs) I've never done that for anyone. So very cool. And, um, after that, it just opened up so many more doors for him. And then he, it was easier for him to travel to other countries. And as you know, because you met him in the same environment, he also met many other people in similar environments that were starting to now invite him to their different countries. So now he's done a lot of traveling in the last few years, and it's kind of come full circle. And I think that this is one of the reasons he wanted me to run this retreat with him, because we have this long-standing friendship and this bond, and we had this very special experience together. That's just wonderful. One of the things that you said that really resonates with me is how you did something because you felt like you wanted to do it, and you had no idea that you were making somebody else's dream come true. I actually hear that a lot these days. I think if we follow our inner guidance and really follow what our heart longs for, it ends up helping other people along the way just because we're drawn to those people that also have those inner longings. It's so exciting to be a part of, isn't it? You know, (laughs) when you put it that way, it feels even more touching. (laughs) So thanks. You know, yeah, it's really beautiful and I feel blessed. Absolutely. It is touching. Well, tell me how meeting him and, and these events that you're doing with him, how has it affected your own art? Well, right now, this is the first time that we're doing this. Um, but my initial trip to Peru did affect my art. Yeah. And it was interesting because I felt like, I felt like the medicine, well, the beauty of ayahuasca is the medicine continues to work. Yes. And I can't explain how it does that in a scientific way, (laughs) but I can say through my personal experience that I did notice over time some of the changes that happened to me psychologically, emotionally, and in this case, creatively. So I was, I, you know, started to work on some paintings and, um, you know, there was one in particular I can tell you about, which was that I had this sort of background color done. Uh, I paint on masonite a lot on this board, um, compressed board. And I just had this background that I painted one day and I put it down. And one day I just decided I'm going to, I'm going to work with this. It was an interesting experience. Something kind of clicked. I was listening to, and, and I was listening to music with um, theta frequencies in it. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, the different kind of brainwave music that's out there, but theta helps your mind get into theta state, which is 
really great for creativity. So I had this music playing and I just started painting. I just thought I would um, create some of the, uh, the jungle foliage that I had in my mind. I'm also a big nature lover. So for me, the jungle was really, it was a really magical place to be in. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just had this amazing experience where I kind of fell into a trance state and I just started painting and, and the rest of the painting was just coming to me as I went. And before I knew it, I, I had, I started from nothing, but all of a sudden I had this clear vision of what I wanted it to look like. And that, particular painting ended up becoming what I call, um, it's titled Jungle Lotus. And uh, it is on the website. And it was, uh, it was just, a, it was the first time that it happened to me. It was a really interesting experience. And I felt like the medicine was in me and, and working in that moment. Um, and I was completely connected, you know, to the divine or to divine inspiration or whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. it was different than my normal painting experiences. And um, after that, the other paintings, I always joke that they practically painted themselves because there was so just cool. this place that I got to get to um, and they just happened. I love that. I believe that we have access to that in so many ways. I've I've been speaking and had that happen. And later somebody said, you know, would you tell me again what you said about this? I don't know. I, I don't know what <laughs> I said. You know, it was coming through me, but it wasn't it wasn't of me, it was through me. And I think that's a beautiful experience to be a channel for something greater than ourselves to express itself through us. Yeah, it is. It's a, It's really something special. And, you know, it, whatever you want to call it, the universe, the collective unconscious, you know, talking to God, it doesn't matter. You know, what matters is having the experience is, is really wonderful, good fortune, (laughs) or, you know, it's not just good fortune, but we make it happen whether we realize it or not, but it is just such a blessing and it's, it's a really great place to be. It is. I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit more about you. So you're a school teacher who, what age group do you teach and what do you teach? I teach art in a public middle school. How is that? How's that experience in relation to the grander experience of who you're realizing that you are and how you're wanting to express yourself in the world? Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, I love being a teacher. So that I can say right up front. I absolutely love teaching. I love trying to coax things out of people um, or just to, you know, to get them to realize their own potential, to get them to you know, to surprise them, to see what they're capable of. Um, I think I get a lot of joy from that. Absolutely. Um, so much happiness, so much joy. Teaching in the public school system is unique. <laughs> it's, um, it's a very, you know, mainstream organization and system. It's, you know, it's not exactly the place for people who are a little on the fringes like me, you know, artists and musicians and spiritual types. However, I will say that, you know, I, I don't completely hide who I am. I can't. Um, I, and I could never hide it if I tried. <laughs> and so that's just become part of my sort of persona, you know, as a teacher. And it, it works because I'm the art teacher. I'm not sure I could get away with it <laughs> if <Yeah>. I taught <laughs> science or social studies. Although something tells me that if I did choose one of those subjects, I would do it anyway, just because, you know, I am who I am. Yeah. But, you know, that it's a tough age group. I will definitely say that it's a really tough age group. 
And at this particular, it's sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. I think I mentioned that. And at this age, they want so much to be like everyone else and to feel like they belong. And here I am telling them the complete opposite. (laughs) You know, (laughs) no, you don't want to be like everyone else. Why do you want to be like everyone else? Let's see who you are. And so the trick for me, and it, it doesn't always work, but when it works, it works this way. For me, the challenge is to hook them in the sixth grade. Because sixth grade, they're still kind of free. They're still pretty comfortable with themselves. If I can hook them before the hormones kick in and the hormones that give them their self-doubt and their insecurities, then I can kind of carry them through. And by eighth grade, they're feeling pretty free with their art. And I can give them very little instruction and just tell them to go and they go. It doesn't always work. But when it works, it's very, it's just really satisfying. It's really beautiful, you know, and I can just keep encouraging them to just keep finding out more about themselves and who they are and through their art. Well, I have to say that I believe that, well, first off, my heart feels better knowing that there are people like you in the public school systems, because while it may feel challenging to you at times, I think we need our bright lights shining in every system, especially the ones that it can sometimes be the hardest to be our unique selves in, those more structured environments like that, the the more rigid environments can tend to be very hard to be expressive. So I'm really glad to know that you're there, especially with that age group, because there is something about seventh grade, man, it all changes in seventh grade. And I do think it's the hormones. I think it's, it's the, (laughs) the mind shifts away, the hormones shift in another way. And, and it all just kind Mm -hmm. of, for a lot of kids, Seventh grade is where they had trouble. I did. I had a lot of trouble in seventh grade. And I worked for a while with a nonprofit that reached into the schools. And we did dropout prevention programs targeting the seventh grade because it seemed like a lot shifts for the kids then. So even if you don't catch them in the sixth grade and you feel like they're not grabbing onto what you're offering as well in the seventh and eighth grade, I believe that you're planting seeds that may grow later. And giving them away when it all falls apart, trying to be like everybody else, that they can return back to that wisdom and go, oh, yeah, I don't have to be like everybody else and have a tool that they can go back to. Yeah, I hope. That's the hope. Absolutely. And I I do think, you know, I do have kids that come back and visit me, which is really wonderful. And there are always those few gems that will just out, flat out tell you, you've inspired me. You've changed my life. I will always remember you just, they will give you this great feedback, you know, and if, even if it's one kid a year, I mean, that's a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's lovely to see. And I've had kids come back and say, you know, I, I don't know why I was never that into art before, but you know, I'm at the high school now and I'm taking art classes. I just love it so much. So sometimes it is just planting a seed and then they might pick it up again later. It doesn't matter. Um, I think a lot of it is just to get them to find ways to be expressive and find ways to get to know themselves better, you know, to just really know who they are and what they believe in, because there's so much information coming at us from all different directions, telling us what to think, <laughs> what to like, what not to like, you know, and we really have to fight that. There's a lot of social conditioning. Yes, And we really have to, and no one tells us to fight it. It's just something that we do or we don't. So I think a part of my role is also to let them know that there are lots of different ideas out there that they have choices, that they don't, you know, they don't have to force themselves to resonate with something. Yes, absolutely. 
I, I agree with you. And I just, I think the other side of that is not having a voice telling them they can't, you know, it's mm-hmm. one thing to, to say, okay, I tell them all they can and only a few of them hear me, but thank goodness you're not a voice telling any of them they can't because I just went through, I, I'm, I'm really getting into expressive painting now and I never touched that kind of artwork because when I was little, I was told I couldn't and I believed it. And so... Oh. You know, it's funny how we internalize that stuff. And for me, it's taken 50 years to finally pick up a paintbrush and go, maybe I can. And it's so fun. I don't even end up caring what comes out on the paper. It's fun to feel free to express in a way that was closed for me. So at least you're not telling anybody they can't. (laughs) True, true. We do have rules, though. And I do, you know, part of the process is to teach them how to use the tools and how to master the tools. Because if you don't know how to use the tools, it's not that it's not possible to do, it's just harder. Right. And I think people can be discouraged a lot quicker if they just don't have that sort of foundation, right. you know, just like playing an instrument. You know, if you just don't know any chords, it, you'll learn them, but you might be fumbling a long way and you might even give, give up before you get to that point. So, yeah, using the tools is important and then they can take off from there and do what they want to do with it, you know. Learn the rules to break the rules. <laughs> I like that. So tell me a little about your trip. How is the planning coming together around that? You guys are taking a group, right? And do you have, are there still opportunities for people to join you? And when is it? Absolutely. It's, we're going in July. It's July 10th until the 20th and spaces are still available. And I don't have the details on my website um, right now, but the, we did a Facebook invitation and we are on uh, retreatfinder.com as well as Eventbrite. And I think there's another retreat website. I can't remember the name of it right now, but um, if people wanted to find the information, they could just put my name in the search bar on Facebook and they'll find it on my art page. And Mauro should have it on his as well. But I think if my name is I was going to say that my name is easier to spell, but it's not. (laughs) It will be on the podcast. So we will help people that way. And they can definitely look in your name and find that. And I want to also let our listeners know, because if they've tuned in before, they know that I've done a lot of work with ayahuasca and plant medicine. There's a lot on on the Journey of Possibilities website. You can go in and we've got our own private search engine and you can put in there ayahuasca. I've got stuff about the diets in there. I've got stuff about what my experiences were like. I also caution people that everyone has their own unique experience. So going with without expectations to me is like the most important thing about doing that work, because as soon as we put it in a box, it it doesn't go that way. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. My, my best ceremony, in fact, was one in which I had, I was not experiencing any visions. And I think I had that expectation that I would have these visions right. and I didn't. And I became very angry and frustrated. And the interesting part was that that particular night was actually the most intense that I had had out of, I had five ceremonies and it was the most difficult and most intense and it was all without any kind of visions. And I think that was by design because I did also ask the mother spirit if, if I'm going to have a really difficult ceremony at some point, you know, to face a lot of the negative emotions, please don't show me any scary monsters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So she didn't, (laughs) no scary monsters, Uh, but there were the, uh, there was the emotional aspect to deal with. So I, when I talk to people about it, 
I also reiterate, you know, don't have expectations, understand that you may or may not have visions and your, you know, the effects are always different. The medicine is still working. If it's in your body, it's working, even if it's in a, in a subtle way. I think a lot of, um, I don't want to just say Americans, but I guess I see a lot of the Western mentality is if it's not this intensely powerful thing that it's not working. Um, and so for example, if people don't have visions, they think it's not working. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And it's a mindset that we have to adjust for ourselves. Um, you know, there are also a lot of younger people going down there thinking it's going to be some kind of a cool trip. And it's, <laughs> it, as you know, it's not. It's hard work. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a like, let's go trip out. Like, it's not like taking LSD or mushrooms or things like that. It's, it's a very difficult process that will challenge you and will, you know, will challenge you to face your inner demons. And hopefully, you know, you you come through the other end in a purified state. You know, it is a purification ceremony after all. So I love that. I love the way you explain it. Thank (laughs) you for putting it that way. It's so true. It's, it is a purification and it's an invitation to do as much inner inner exploration and outer exploration for that matter. It's, it's an invitation right. to do as much exploration and healing as we are ready to allow. And to me, mm-hmm. working with her has been all about the, the dance between allowing her to show me things and taking an active role in it myself. Because when I surrender completely, I don't have, have that powerful an experience. When I um, try and control too much, I have a really challenging experience. So it's been good for me to learn how to balance those two and be an active participant in allowing her to show me what she wants to show me for my own good. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely had that challenge as well. And finding that balance was definitely tricky. And I wasn't one of those people, you know, it was interesting because I hear so many other people's stories and so many people will say, oh, you know, after it, after this happened, and they might say this after one ceremony, I was just a new person. I was completely changed. And I was not one of those people, you know, I, uh, on my last day after five ceremonies, I thought, well, I don't feel that different. I really don't, you know, I, I mean, I, I, felt a little different. And I did notice it more when I went into the city again, how different I felt, but I didn't feel this like huge life change. It was something that was supposed to manifest over time. You know, it was much more deep for me and more subtle. Yeah. And I kind of appreciate it more now because it, it it helped me to understand Again, it goes back to those expectations. What was I <laughs> expecting? Was I expecting to wake up and just be a different person? Right. Because <laughs> right. that doesn't happen, you know. And then some people can come out of it and just think that they are, like, they'll quit their job uh-huh. and, you know, move to Peru or do something, like, more <laughs> kind of outrageous. But, um, yeah, it's different for everyone. I, I think I'm a little grateful that I didn't feel such a huge shift. You know, for me, the shift came more gradually. And I think that that worked well for me, but we all get what we need. 
Well, it, it kind of, I called it jumping off a cliff and, and having to learn how to fly. I mean, that was my experience with working with the plant medicine. I took a huge plunge when I started working with it. I definitely uh-huh. don't recommend that for most people. I think it's great to to pace it at a way that we have time to integrate the information because the amount of information that is conveyed into us through working in those ceremonies is incredible. I mean, it's like, you know, sure, you can sit down and eat the whole encyclopedia, but what did you learn, right? So I think it's wonderful to have that pacing going on for yourself. And did you have that experience? And after your first ceremony, did you feel like your whole world had changed? I actually worked with some other plant medicines before I even went to Peru and did that work. But with all the plant medicine, it was so different for me. And I had actually played with drugs. I'll say played with drugs in in my younger years and gotten lost there. We all did. We all did. (laughs) (laughs) So I had all these expectations around the drugs and this was not like any of those experiences, but I, I was so, I had what a friend calls the gift of desperation where I was at in my life. I was desperate for some, some solutions to some old pain that had never healed for me. And so I went in with a very open heart and, and a, ready to allow. And it, so it was transformational for me. It was very, very powerful. Everything shifted. I went from Western medicine and religion to something much more expansive than that, that that is still a part of. Um, but yeah, so I had transformation and it was pretty strong and I have backed off on my own and said, okay, I need to slow way down with this experience and really integrate what I'm learning. And so for me, that's been a grounding because I just kind of flew away, you know, I mean, too much of that experience can take you so far out there that it's really hard to come back and learn how to live in this world. And So I've been Mm -hmm. focused much more on here's how I'm going to live in this world and use those experiences much more occasionally than regularly and for just deeper expansion of specific areas of my life that I'm working on. So um, I kind of was one of those that got caught up in it. That's interesting, though. And I think what you something you said, grounding is so important. And I I had another healing experience, which had nothing to do with plants or anything. It was just an energy healing that I had received uh, from a woman I met in uh, Bali. And we did this over Skype. (laughs) And that experience, and this, okay, let me repeat. This was an energy healing experience over Skype Uh from halfway around the world and completely transformed me. And I felt so out there. And luckily, it was during a vacation week from school. So I had time. <laughs> I felt like I was definitely not grounded. And it really, that experience showed me the importance of grounding and allowing, it, slowing it down, letting things integrate. It was yeah. very interesting. And it was almost a little scary at first. Yeah. Because I felt like I was on something, even though I wasn't. Right. Um, but then, you know, I got outside and got my feet on the ground and, you know, did grounding exercises and ate grounding foods. And it really helped make a huge difference. It is beautiful out there, but we don't live out there. You know, we live here. Right. So we have to find that balance. And I think, you know, for some that I've met, it's been, but I don't want to be here. I want to be out there. Well, we came here to do some stuff you know, and it's, Mm. and it's not that we're, we have to be here and we're stuck here. We get to be here. Being here is a privilege when we're able to bring the healing that we find out there down here. 
and anchor in that healing into the earth, into the ground, into our bodies, that's where the beauty really starts to happen for me, I believe. And I've actually started doing like, I'm going to do a whole mastermind group where we work on how to create daily practices that help us integrate all of this beauty into our daily lives, because that's the real magic is when we can bring that stuff into a practice, into a habit, into a way of living, then it transforms us. Yeah. And in turn helps us to help others, I think, as well. I think that's the final piece. Exactly. Uh, When Ram Dass says, um, we're all just walking each other home. I'm not sure if I have the exact words, but it's something to that effect. You know, so we heal ourselves and then we can in turn, you know, reach out to others and lift them up as well. I am just covered in goosebumps. I love that you took it there because absolutely, I believe that's why we came to go through these ceremonies and experiences and find that beautiful light and start to live it is so that we can share it and in turn, others find their own. And that is how we're healing this place. Yes, walking each other home. Mm-hmm. And sharing the light is a big one. I I was raised in you know the Greek church, Greek Orthodox, and last year I went to the Easter ceremony at the church and we lit our candles and part of the greek tradition is the priest receives spontaneous holy light at the altar and he takes his candle and he lights a few people's candles and then they take their candles back to the seats and they light the candles of everyone around them and then the light spreads throughout the church and then we sing a song a a hymn and it's really beautiful and he gave this beautiful talk about bringing the light and sharing the light. And in the end, that's what it's all about. And it was probably the best service I'd ever been to in all my years. It was so beautiful and touching. And I understood it in a different way than I did when I was a kid and just going to church because I was supposed to, right. you know, and I just had such a different appreciation for it. So you know, I know a lot of people don't like organized religion and there are aspects of it I don't like either, but that brought it home, you know, that that is what the religions are supposed to be teaching anyway, is we're supposed to light each other's light, (laughs) you know, and share it. Yes, absolutely. That's what it's all about, is being the light and sharing the light. I love that. We will definitely guide people toward your event. And I, I just, I hope you have, I know you'll have an amazing trip and there will be, will you be painting while you're there in ceremony? Is that what this trip is about? Is blending the two? No, the, so the, it's a 10 day retreat and within that 10 days, there will be five ceremonies and there's also the way Percy does it. There will be a field trip day as well, which is really fun because we did that last time where they'll take us to a, on a boat and they show us. You'll see where the Amazon River begins and hopefully maybe see some river dolphins and other cool animals and, you know, maybe take a jungle walk. And we did things like that on one of the days it was just to kind of get off the site, you know, right. and, and visit another village and that kind of stuff. It was really neat. So it's a 10 day retreat. The painting days will be on the days between ceremonies. When you're in ceremony, you're in ceremony. Right. And I don't want to take away from that because people will have so many different experiences and they'll do their healing. Obviously, the, you know, the hope is that these ceremonies also will remove creative blocks as well. And then when they have time uh, during the day, 
then we'll have the painting classes. I also would uh, plan on doing um, just some little exercises just to kind of get the energy flowing, you know, mindfulness-based exercises to take people's minds off of, oh, I'm trying to paint this particular thing. But the ceremonies will feed their imagination as well because they'll be clearing their mind. They may have visions that they receive that they might want to use in a painting. And, you know, Mauro will be teaching his particular style. But since we're both art teachers, you know, if someone just doesn't know how to do a particular thing, you know, we're there for them. So artists can come in and just work on their own as well. They don't even have to try to learn Mauro style. You know, it's going to, it's very loosey-goosey and free. I just, I don't want it to be overly structured so that people don't feel like we must be doing this at this certain time. You know, it will be free and I will be teaching yoga classes as well. And I'm hoping to do a few meditations, guided meditations as well. I think it'll just enhance the experience and the integration. Yes. Yes, it sounds like it. Oh, it sounds magical. I I go with you this time in spirit because I just went in October, so I'm definitely still integrating a lot of stuff from our trip, but a piece of my heart stays in Peru each time I go. So eventually I'm going to have to move oh. down there just to reclaim the rest of myself. So I will be down there with you in spirit and in heart, and I just hope you guys have the most wonderful experience that I know you will. I hope so, too. I thank you for the support. I thank you for doing this, too, and helping us to spread the word. Oh, it's the pleasure is all mine. It's been wonderful to get to visit with you a little bit. And I love to wrap up my interviews by asking my guests if there is a parting thought that you would like to leave us with today. Mm, Just what we were talking about before. Please spread the light. Do your own healing. But then when you are feeling strong enough, spread it around. Share it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, It's been so fun talking with you today. Thank you, Cheryl. Me too. And we didn't giggle too much. We thought we would. (laughs) I think it's been just right. Would you like to be a guest on Exploring Possibilities? Drop me a note at info at journeyofpossibilities.com. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.